Hey, this is Tom Sullivan. Thanks for listening to Forging Ahead. I'm breathing some new life into this project by inviting guests to come on and teach us about a topic that they know as well as anyone on earth because they've done it and are doing it today. These are the real deal practitioners. If you enjoy this, please leave a review on Apple or send this to a friend. Thanks. So Alan, tell me, why did you pick sales and how did you get started? Yeah, great question. So I'm a socio-econ major, so that's it wasn't in college. <laughs> uh, but it, it actually started uh, during the, the college years. So I was uh, originally a poli-sci major, and I started uh, uh, working on campaigns. And uh, I was the best fundraiser. And so then I was like 18, someone said, you should sell things. <laughs> And I was like, nah, I'm going to start an NGO and run for office and do all that stuff. Uh, And then I got a part-time summer job when I was working on a campaign at Sunglass Hut in in the Prudential uh, downtown. Uh, And it was 2006. It was booming. Like, the economy was booming. And the Prudential in Copley gets the most traffic per square foot uh, in the entire country. Uh, during that time. So mm-hmm. I actually sold like fifty, sixty thousand dollars worth of sunglasses a month. They paid ten percent they paid ten percent rip. And I was it was I was selling four people at one time. I was selling them three, four hundred dollars Chanel's uh and all of a sudden I got my first commission checks and I off of sunglasses and I was like, whoa. And so then when I left school, I just looked at the things that had the highest margins to sell, uh, and it was web or software. So my first job... Back before you go there, did they teach you how to sell sunglasses? Like, Was there training, or did you just <sighs> figure it out on the fly? All right, so there's, there's a little bit of training. It's more about in, like understanding what the inventory is, uh, but each sales manager, each store the manager would have to actually train you not just on the procedures, but if you want to sell more sunglasses, you, there's some, some tricks. So they, they would send, they would send you to like a really small mall where there's just a kiosk instead of an actual store. Mm-hmm. And so in the store, you have like people always there in the kiosk, you get 10 people a day. So you have to maximize that person's time and they're walking by you. So it's very hard. So in the mall now these days, I feel bad for all the kiosk people. So I will, I'll slow down, let you hear the pitch because that's what I had to do. And I couldn't move. I was in the kiosk. And so, and so they, they tell you little tricks. Like, uh, if you hand someone the sunglasses that you should do that and then take them away from them. And they don't like that. Um, and so there's, there's a bunch of little tricks. Uh, but a lot of it was learning on your own. Sure. Any anything that you remember, like tricks that you picked up, or like unique tactics, or maybe a a story that you can think of where um, that was memorable. So, are there children that are listening to this podcast? <laughs> Not sure. I don't think so. Uh, so the the most the most fun that I ever had, honestly, selling until recently was at Sunglass Hut. There was four of us working a day. It was like 4th of July, actually. Um, and we were drinking and selling the entire day. 
uh, and it was 4th of July and we customers came in. We we're like, hey, you can drink. We had sunglasses on. Um, but it was it was actually team selling. And the, it was the it was the coolest thing because there was two guys and two women that were on the team selling. And so I'd be like, hey, Tom, what do you think of these? And like, boom. And we, we decided that day we're just going to split it all up, guys. It won't be one to one because some people are good at some things. You, you, you never want to get the clawback. So in sales, software sales, sometimes you get clawbacks. If someone doesn't pay or it cancels or month to month it cancels, you, you're going to stop getting your commission. Uh, but returning sunglasses is something that happens all the time. So you could be a good closer, but then the week later they return the glasses because you oversold or they already had that pair or girlfriend, wife, husband did not approve. And so some of us were really good at buttoning up the back end. So you, you would, you'd sell, and it's the same thing in like software sales. I have a bunch of friends. Some of them are transactional. They sell a lot of $10,000 deals. Then I have some, some friends that they sell $100,000, $500,000 million deals. They don't have the other skill set. Same with the sunglasses, right? You don't want to returns um, at all. Uh, and so that was the most fun. That 4th of July, 2006. That's awesome, that man. Yeah. I love that uh, kind of origin story into sales. When I cut you off, you were saying when you're getting out of school, you started looking at things with the highest margin. <laughs> it turned out to be you know web or software style there was, tools. There was one other. So my uh, my... One of my good high school buddies, we did the same thing. He went into submarines uh, and missiles. So that there's like a five year apprenticeship to sell nuclear submarines, but yeah. they start at like 1.5 billion. So <laughs> yeah, how's that sales cycle? Long. He said seven. <laughs> no, he said five to seven year sales cycle. Wow. And to, to not even get a deal sometimes. So yeah. yeah. So tell me about uh, kind of like. I don't want to do a whole slog through your LinkedIn because yeah. I know that you've been selling for a long time. So I want to hear right before we started hit and record, um, you talked about when you first started at QuickBase and the story about being brought on as a marketer and then getting a chance to influence how the BDR SDR organization got started. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a crazy experience. So Intuit reached out to me. And they wanted to create a sales team uh, inside marketing. So Intuit's an inbound, world-class machine, TurboTax, QuickBooks, right? Mm -hmm. And didn't have a sales team. So QuickBase, director of demand gen, started creating non-trial leads, webinars, white papers, ebooks. He was doing two webinars uh, a month, getting up to 300 people at each of those webinars. But then there was no one to follow up with these leads. And so he opened a rec on his own without talking to sales um, and created, a, a, it was a lead development, um, it was called, it ends up being SDR, then we added the BDR function, mm -hmm. and it started from scratch. So I was in the demand gen, like, so the event marketer, the campaign marketer, the ad spend person, they're all my peers, uh, the web person, and for a year and a half, I was the sales guy in marketing. Um, and so we created a bullpen right in marketing. 
Um, and it was awesome for my career because I got the marketing experience that most salespeople never get. Mm-hmm. I got to see how the sausage was made on, on that side. They spend a lot of money on nothing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it marketers spend, I, they're buying less. So I'm a sales guy sitting with my whole sales team and the guy next to me is like, Hey, should we buy these tech target leads? I'm like, no, tech targets, terrible leads. And he's like, well, it's $40,000. I'm like, you're going to pay $40,000 for that lead list? He's like, yeah. I go, well, what? He's like, last, last week we did that too with these Dun & Bradstreet leads. I was like, oh my God. So, <laughs> but that's what it was. But we had nothing. So, um, started from scratch. So, I had three contractors that I could hire to start the, the, the pilot. Uh, then, then it went to, you can hire unlimited contractors. Because it was big into it at this point, and then you can hire three full-time people, mm-hmm. no variable, because the concept of even a sales team didn't exist uh, at Intuit. Right? They were like inbound call center type things, but there wasn't. So there was no comp plan. There were no territories. There was no process. It was, hey, Alan, this is why we hired you. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. I get to start this from scratch and I'm in marketing. So over the course of that first year, we ended up hiring 10 full-time and I had 10 contractors that I hired. So I had a a squad of 20. And so then I started converting the contractors to to full-time. And then we, QuickBase uh, was sold was divested from from into it uh in 2016 uh and we were purchased by private equity uh and so that that is when the pivot towards the enterprise really took off that's when the non-trial leads and everything like that were the most important uh and so by the end right now um i mean it's three two two or three years removed um and i'm not in that role now but it was that we had like 10 or 15 BDRs, 10 or 15 SDRs, whole program, whole playbook, uh, across every vertical and every segment. Uh, we had we stood up training, um, stood up a boot camp, and all this was it. Not only was it in marketing, we, we ended up going to sales after we were uh, after we were divested. Uh, but the whole idea of out outbound or non trial was also new to the new QuickBase, uh, and so. Fast forward to where we are today. Two years ago, I was asked to basically do the same thing: pioneer enterprise into the outbound, into outbound into the enterprise, rather. Uh, so we're an inbound machine. We had account managers or renewal specialists that would work the deals uh, from the trials that were in, you know, Fortune One Thousand. Um, and so over the last two years, we've been going aggressively at the enterprise from a product perspective, but also a go-to-market perspective. And and that's what I've been pioneering right now. So first, <laughs> first cold calls ever uh, out, out of the building. That's pretty cool. What do you think it is about your skill set where you keep getting tapped to like launch these new projects? And these are pretty sizable projects inside of huge organizations. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's the end-to-end. Uh, because of the beginning. So I've been in a BDR, I've been an AE, I've been a manager, and I, I'm i pretty lucky. I got to start selling when 
when the SaaS boom started, right? So I had never sold anything that wasn't SaaS. Mm-hmm. So think about 2007, 2008, that's when Salesforce starts taking off. That's when all these other point solutions start. And then the plethora of, of software salespeople, right? And so I've been able to see the whole thing. Um, and then I also have some really good skills that are helpful. So I have really good prospecting and discovery skills, mm-hmm. which which are helpful all the time. And then I have really good coaching and, and motivating skills. And so that's helpful to get people to, to do things. Um, and so th- those are, after about two weeks at a sales organization, I know where the problems are in the sales cycle and how to fix it. And repeatedly, at first it was just like, oh, I figured this out. But then every company that I go to, two weeks, it's all I need. I feel like I want to try to like pull some real like tactical stuff out of your brain instead of, um, I feel like we could talk for three hours about like the course of your career. But let's go to, um, I guess before we, uh, I have a couple of notes that I want to make sure we don't forget. I want to do the prospecting and discovery skills and I want to talk about coaching but i want before that thinking about recruiting and interviewing like i guess maybe for people that are listening that are brand new to sales do you want to do a minute on like what a bdr sdr is and then maybe we can pivot right into how do you find people that might be good at that and maybe some favorite interview questions or interview technique yeah perfect um so SDRs are a new are a new concept, uh, so a fa- fairly new concept. So mm-hmm. BDRs, business development reps, are the appointment centers, meeting centers for uh, account executives at various different levels. Sometimes they're small business, sometimes they're and enter- most of the time they're enterprise and strategic uh, AEs that they support. Uh, I was actually a BDR uh, supporting four AEs when I when I started. And then that the SDR uh, sales development rep uh, comes when there's inbound leads, um, and so it's a same type of qualification, but from an inbound perspective. Uh, and so, very very good early career places to start in in sales. Um, I, I would say the SDR role is a bit more appealing uh, than straight uh, BDR, uh, where Cold calling can be pretty intimidating uh, early career, uh, but I actually think it's the, the, the way that you should do it. Uh, but the SDR allows for a broader range of uh, young professionals to get into sales. So mm-hmm. uh, in that original uh, SDR class that I had, I end up having two sales engineers, two people go to sales operations. Uh, one one girl, one woman. She actually cold calling physically started sh- sh- shaking and broke out into hives because her body just couldn't. She wanted to, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, wow, wow!" Like you, like are making your body hurt. But she was awesome with all of our tools and operations. So she's a sales ops manager now. So that was awesome, right? But um, so the the questions that I would ask early career. So early career, I'm looking for. Does somebody come into the room and they're like a candidate for both and you decide where they go or are they applying for one or the other? So I want, so I'm a, I'm a little bit different. If, if you've interviewed with me, you either like me or you don't. 
Uh, so I've, I've hired over 300 uh, SDRs, BDRs, AEs, and, and sales managers. And I want a sales professional, right? So I want you to want to be a sales professional, and that is every aspect of the game. I want you to be a consummate professional uh, from the sales perspective. So if someone wants to get into technology or something like that, or they want to figure out something, a SDR program is cool because you, you get exposure to what, what, what it is. Um, a, a BDR, someone who wants to be in software sales and wants to work at your company, you'll know that right at the beginning because like, they'll know that that's what they want. They might not know it when, they, when you tell them, oh, this role is all outbound. Then you get to see their reaction. Like, oh, what does that mean? You know, here's the phone. <laughs> that means you're calling people and interrupting folks that may not want to talk to you right then. Yeah, they do not want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. So what type of, um, one thing that I'm curious about is in the, that woman's like physical reaction leaves some clues, but do you think you can teach people to have the mindset to want to be outbound or is that something that people just show up with? So I think that you can teach people how to identify the, like the hunger or drive in themselves. I think you can, I think you can coach that out. Um, because a lot, especially, so I'm, um, I'm a millennial, um, 1985. So uh, they call me an elder millennial. Um, but especially with millennials, you, 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 a lot of them or us are not necessarily driven by the same things that uh, others are. So, uh, especially in sales, like you could be money driven, but helping someone get to their personal goals makes someone want to cold call, right? Um, and then uh, little pieces of success along the way, um, celebrating success along the way is like super important. Um, so I'm training uh, two BDRs right now that are uh, 2020 grads. And so in COVID, right? So in the pandemic, They've had to be onboarded and now they are assigned to enterprise AEs who are also in a pandemic who are struggling, right? Cause it's, it's hard out there. So, uh, I am trying to understand them. Like, where do you want to be? Like, what is important to you? And then motivating them and doing it with them. So they see the success. I, I hop on Zooms like this and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to let's cold call. Let's go. And they get to see me get hung up on. Uh, they get to see me book a meeting. Um, and then they follow me the whole way through. Uh, so they get to see each part. Uh, and How rare is that? That's f- extremely rare. And, and that's the only way that I've ever taught it. And that's because when I was a BDR and then when I was an AE, that was the thing that I didn't have. And I had to have the courage to go get, and everyone always says it's, Oh, go find the salesperson that's doing the best job and make them your best friend. They don't want you to be their best friend for, for first of all. Right. <laughs> and then it's hard. Yeah. You could go have a lunch with them or whatever, but to follow a sales cycle, like actually who's ever seen a sales cycle, right? Like, no, there's a playbook, blah, 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 blah. Right. Mm-mm. Right. So you, need to see it. Uh, and so, and, and so when they see the success that they can have, and then it's compounding. And that's the thing about sales 
And that's the thing that I try and get early on is that it's incremental, right? Every single day, you have to make yourself uncomfortable, but you have to try and it is compounding. You will, at the end of the, at the end of the year, your Q4, there will be more deals there than there was in Q1, but you have to, and, and that's really hard early career and you can see it. And so the way that I judge, if I know someone's going to make it or not, if I tell you something once, like a behavior, like, Hey, so make sure you introduce yourself at the beginning of the call and address time because they might have to leave the call early. Mm-hmm. And the last call, you just went, you just went right in. If they make that change on the, f- the next call, that person's uh, going to go to club. Okay. But, if, but if you have to, if the next time you're on the call and they're like, Hey, you, you blew right by that time again. He's like, Oh yeah, Alan, you're right. I got it. But, but we got the meeting, right? I'd be like, yeah, but you know, and so the next time he's like, Hey, Alan, I fixed it. And if he calls it out, I'd be like, all right, cool. But if it keeps happening and I have to say it, then you're not learning. Mm-hmm. And if you're not learning, it goes back to being a consummate professional, right? Like think about all these athletes that are like, like Kobe and like LeBron and Jordan, like they are always like Brady, right? They're always perpetually getting better. And you're like, why? Cause you have to. So I'm having the most fun besides that sunglass hut summer right now uh, because I feel like Michael Jordan in a high school game because I did my time as an AE and a BDR. Then I did seven years as a leader. And then last year I had to like get into AE shape. And that is very, very difficult. But now like I'm a super AE. Um, and so it's really fun because you now I'm and I'm self-aware, right? I like know when I like had a bad call and I know like, all right, don't do that. And then all of a sudden the, 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 the prospect will all for a week, all my prospects will be saying the same objections. And I'll be like, what's wrong with those people before? Now I'm like, Oh, it's cause I'm saying something wrong. Right. And so that's, that's why it's fun. But that's why at the beginning, early career, consummate, professional so gotta have i want people who want to be in sales which is hard but i make you go do your research you're like hey do you actually know what sales is do you know what software sales is how many calls do you think you're gonna have to make to be number one or number two in this pit right here what else you've said the consummate professional thing a couple times like what other attributes resilient resiliency uh it, it goes with grit but resiliency and then so i i'll ask an interview question i'll ask i'll ask like a time, not a time that they failed, but like a time that they didn't get what they wanted, like cut from a team or something like that. And then the next question is, well, what did you do after that? I ask when their first job is, and then I ask what it was. Then I ask why. So you get really personal with people. So, you, hey, what was your first job? And so they tell you. And so they'll tell you, oh, I was 16. Oh, I was 14. Oh, I was 18. Why did it take you till you were 18 to get your job, right? And then what was that job? Why did you get a job when you were 14? Oh, because my dad said he would no longer drive me around. And so I was, I had to buy my own car or I had to take care of my dad or whatever. Any, any hardship, I, I like you because of the great, you could be some rich kid. It doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. but the, the hardship. Um, I would like to say 
I am trying to hire a lot of uh, a lot of black people, a lot mm-hmm. of women, a lot of underserved. So I'm at dinner at Capital Grill or Ruth Chris or something like that. My waiter remembers, oh, hey, Alan, you like the truffle crust on your filet? I'm like, you just turned 10 tables at Ruth Chris, man. Why aren't you in software sales? And he's like, I didn't. I, he's like, did you go to MIT? Do you have a computer science? I'm like, no, man. Like, and so a lot of it is people just don't even know. Yeah. Um, but if something's happened to you in your life that you've had to overcome, I try and f- I find that in the interview. But first job is a is a great one for me. It tells me a lot about you. Um, and then I ask them like, let's pretend money wasn't a thing. Let's pretend. Then what would you do if you could do anything? And like, it's really the end goal that they're saying. So I say, oh, how are you going to get to, how are you going to get there? And so that is. What are you listening for there? Just listening to thoughtfulness and mindfulness of their own intent. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm looking for excitement. I'm looking for passion. That's it. I just want to know that you're, you're there. Uh, And then the learning part. So the coolest thing about the Intuit interview process, which I will always do moving forward, is they make you, it was intense, but they make you do uh, like a craft demonstration. They make you do like a case or something. But for sales, I got to, so when I, when I first started that, uh, that team, I got to do the craft demo. So I'm, I make you role play with me in your interview. And I'll make, I'll make you write an email in real time. And so prior, I'll give you a lead. Uh, this was an actual lead sheet that I got because we didn't have a CRM right at the, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I would get a Excel doc and I would look, literally look through thousands of leads, scrub them myself, assign them myself to the, the reps. Uh, but I would give uh, the person I was interviewing, I would give them uh, the Excel doc ahead of time and I'd say, hey, organize this on how you would approach your day. And that's part of the interview. And so they would think, oh, this is all right, awesome. And they come, and you could see how someone prepares or whatever. And I'm like, oh, the next part is role play. No one ever prepares for a role play. And then I make them write an email. And I ask them to write an email before, too. But I make you write an email in real time. So I'm either on the whiteboard or in the notebook or on my computer. And I just want to see if you can do it. Mm-hmm. Your early career, right? I just want to see if you have the courage to do it. Yeah, that's the word, right? It's like you're looking for kind of like attitude, reaction, yeah. instead of like the email doesn't have to be great, right? It's like, what? how did you approach this? Like, what did you, did you like get flushed and start to freak out? Or did you start to like get on the balls of your feet? Yeah, and I would never make them role play with me or write about something that they didn't just tell me about. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, "Tell me something." We'd role play about basketball if they were like, "I love the Celtics," right? So it, I just wanted to see if you know how kind of digitally agile they are, um, and that's something you got to be nimble. Um, and so I always say, trust your, trust your brain to the actual BDRs and AEs, trust your brain, like put the work in, but trust your brain. Mm -hmm. Like you're gonna, it's, and it's not the end of the world. Uh, 
Like they won't even remember you called them next in two weeks. Yeah. What about um, if somebody was listening to this and was going for their first sales job out of school, what would be like the one piece of advice you'd give them? I'd, I'd research like a couple of things. What sales is and then what sales is in that industry that you want to be in and then take a field trip. Like find a way to either call a, a couple AEs off LinkedIn, send them messages, or get a mentor. Call your college. So there's someone that sells software that's around you. Mm-hmm. Because I was really lucky. I started at Gomez. Uh, it's now Dynatrace, um, and it was 50 calls a day. I have worked at places that were 100 calls a day. I worked at places that are 150 calls a day. I worked at libraries that were like 50 emails a day. <laughs> so, so you and every AE can't handle all those things. I mean, some people can, but some people don't want to make 70 calls or 80 mm-hmm. calls or 100 calls. Um, sometimes the software doesn't require it. Sometimes it's super transactional. Like you got to figure out what you want to do. And the only way you can do that is do some research. Like, do you, if you want to work in marketing software or whatever, if you don't care, then apply to a lot of jobs, but don't take the first one. Like, don't take the first one. Get some Don't out take the first one. Because <laughs> <laughs> the first, they're going to say 50K, 60K, 70K, and you're going to be like, whoa. Whoa. And it's yeah. like, and, and you got to understand that your manager is important. The training's important. The onboarding's important. Like the actual AEs, are they hitting their numbers? So there's other questions uh, that early career people should ask that they would never know to ask, um, especially on the sales side. You'll know instantly, like if this is a place you want to be by talking to some salespeople. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like about, not about like how's the culture. No, will be like, yo, what's the comp plan look like? Do you even know what a comp plan is? When you're, you know, so that's do the research so you can talk in the vernacular, right? I love that. So just kind of chasing my own curiosity because I've been, I've been like a struggling entrepreneur. I've been an inside salesperson. I've worked for, um, I've been like the only salesperson at a construction company for five years. Like I've done a bunch of weird stuff and I kind of fall in the camp of somebody that um, I'm not naturally great at it. And I really struggled when somebody said, here's an Excel sheet. You got to make 80 dials a day. That was really hard for me. Um, and I'm thinking about how much I could have benefited from different style of coaching and leadership. And like when you started talking about like for me, like the ride along was always somebody listening to my calls without ever showing me what it is. It's like somebody's going to put a splicer on, put their headset on and sit physically sit next to you while you're like brand new in the job trying to make cold calls without having modeled that behavior first. So when you started saying that, I was like thinking about how lucky the people are that have gotten a chance to learn under you. Like, can you talk a little bit more about how you coach? Cause that just really like jumped out to me. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and so it's, it's a huge gap. Uh, in, uh, in all sales, a lot of sales trainers get blamed for things that aren't their faults as well. Uh, the coaching is, is really important. So the baseline is important. Like you can't like 
build if you don't know, if you're not ramped, if you don't know what the software is, right? And so the training at the beginning is important. So I, and this is where Trust Your Brain is, I give them the classroom, but it's like in micro doses. So we'll go an hour and then next week we'll go an hour, but you're getting a lot of information, but it's world-class information. And I say, just absorb it. I'm going to be showing you in the field when we're out there tomorrow, but just absorb it. Uh, and then it's also a mentality and a mindset, right? I tell my reps what works for me. So in the morning, now it's a little bit different now, but I still keep the same routine. For the last 12 years, I have a rap mix the last 15 minutes of my commute. And it's get money, get money, go get the paper. You deserve it. Let's go spend the money, get it. And it's, and I, I, we did uh, some leadership training with a neuroscientist and this is a thing. It's like getting to a, a particular level to perform. I also tell my, everybody get a shrink. Like this is warfare. You're going in every day and people are just saying no to you, no to you. And when they say yes to you, it is the highest high in the world. And, but it's the lowest low when they say no, or when they say yes, and then they say no. Yeah. Um, and so you, you have to be prepared. This is not selling used cars, right? This is high, actually high stakes, right? People are betting a lot of venture cap money or private equity money or shareholder money that they can deliver something that has margins that are through the roof, but like you got to get in the door first. Right. And, and that is super competitive. And so you gotta, that's the thing is I, I think people don't take their career seriously if they're not a lawyer or a doctor, right? Like early career, like, no, 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 you gotta, you gotta learn this. You gotta have your 10,000 hours, right? You, you gotta make 10,000 cold calls before you are, before you finish your BDR, you better. Uh, but I like, so the coaching part, right? So there's different people learn differently, right? So you have to coach people differently. And so I learned that over time as well because the ride-along is whatever it is, right? But there's some people that they're like whiteboard it. Like we're in the, in the middle of a call, put it on the whiteboard. There's other people, I hit mute and I just tell them. There's other people that say, tell me at the end of the call, write everything down and tell me at the end of the call. And I'm like, even if there's a point where I, you could get a deal or you're going to have to do something right now, but you let it slip. You want me to tell you later? Yes. So <laughs> that changed once you learn a couple times, but there's all, there's different ways that people respond. And so that was something upfront. I said, Hey, I'm going to actively coach you. So how do you want it? Do you want it on the whiteboard? Do you want me to mute it? Do you want me to just participate in the conversation? Like, and, and so then that allows how you coach. Also, all my one-on-ones, the, every other one-on-one was a work one-on-one. The other ones, I, we talked about not work. So it could be work related, like career development or something else, but it, but we wouldn't talk about their pipeline or their numbers or anything like that. And I think that that is a way to get the trust from, from your, your team. Um, but that's the, I, to this day, I haven't seen, so one, one, the the person that I grabbed 
to watch the sales cycles when I was at Gomez, and I would follow all of his sales cycles. Uh, his name is Mike Sadler. He's at Everbridge, and he's probably one of the best salespeople I've ever made. He he would break. He was a marketer, product marketer, and just was making sales materials for these salespeople. He's like, I could do this, and so he approached it not like a salesperson. Mm. He approached it like a marketer and trying to solve a problem, and so. And that was the Sandler training that we had as well, like fit right in into that. And so I got to see real sales cycles. That's really the last time. I mean, I've seen a bunch of the teams that I'm running or as a manager, I get to see sales cycles. Um, but from start to finish from, hey, this person right here on this list doesn't know that they're going to buy from me or even know anything about me to nine months later, we're going to Louis Vuitton to buy some stupid things, right? I guess two questions. One is, how did you learn to do this, and why is it so rare? It was it was just an, the need. I, I it was the it felt just natural to me. Also, like how how could you learn to do something without seeing it done? It also seems quite impossible to cold call someone and do like a and have them buy something. It it every day. I'm like, how, how did I get here? Actually, <laughs> I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it now. Like you could tell man. it's, it's yeah, it's, that's why so I'm in my basement, right? Because this is, uh, I have like three other floors, but one, my son has been in remote learning. And so he, two of us can't be yelling at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, but I needed, so COVID happened. Then what? Right. So, when I was at BDR and when AE for the first time in 2008, 2009, when the recession happened, our COO got up on like Wolf of Wall Street style, but it was not a happy day. And he was like, Yahoo just called and checked the news. They're like laying off all these people. We decided to give Yahoo free service for a year. Uh, they're going to do a bigger deal with us next year. But, and he's like, so this is my fourth recession or sixth recession. If you can sell through this recession, you'll be a salesperson for the rest of your life. If you can't do it, I'm sorry. But we're here. If you want to be in it, it's going to be a grind right now. If not, I'll write you a nice severance. You can, you can go. Mm -hmm. And so that day, I never forgot. And then that day happened again in March. Yeah. And so I went into my... I have a desk, a table here. That's it. I have a table, a pen, a notebook, some energy drinks, and... Like, I'll, I didn't even have this. There's a lamp right here. I didn't even have that. I just had the overhead lamp. And I'm calling Fortune 100 companies from here. And I'm on Zooms, my face all the time. And it's like, it's a, a lab. Like, I have to, like, the mentality is here. And then I go into my garage and I go and then I go through the front steps. Like, like, it's my actual commute. But like, when I was in the office, when I went to AE mode, everyone's like, what, where's Alan going? I made my own conference room and I just went in there because it's hard. It's like hitting a 90 mile an hour fastball. Like you can't just walk up there and just hit it. Like you have to train. Um, and so I, I, that's the fun part is that I know at a certain point you're like, Oh, I'm definitely a good AE. Then you're like, Oh, I'm really good. And then you're like, Oh, like this is now it's like awesome for me. I can go sell anywhere. Yeah. The um, that might might be a good transition to talk about prospecting and discovery. And based on our hour, we get about eight minutes, so um, might be a good good way to finish up. To me, 
from what I've seen working with really good salespeople, I would think that these two things hand in hand are the most important. And for me, like the prospecting motion feels the most important because things that I've done in the past that have backfired are when you get involved in what you think is like a deal that should take all of your time, you stop prospecting. And if you lose that deal, you d- you weren't doing the work to like rebuild, your, you know, create opportunities that can replace that deal. So I guess long-winded way of saying like, I'd love you to just riff on, on prospecting and discovery. Yeah. So prospecting is all the time. So I, so now, so I think planning and having an actual routine is really important. And everyone's always like, oh, well, you get busy. No, 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 you don't. Right. So I intentionally book all of my discovery calls and demos on Wednesday and Thursday. I leave Friday open and Monday and Tuesday, I don't book anything unless like the customer tells me I want to do that. But Mm -hmm. that, and so that leaves Monday and Tuesday open and I don't go to meetings that don't, that aren't for revenue, like stupid meetings. You can slack. I'll like have a meeting with you or something, but I, I don't, unless it's for like uh, something that is relative to deals or a management thing that's for planning for this stupid marketing meetings. I'm not going to, cause I know they just waste stupid money, mm-hmm. um, but planning and then the actual research. So one of the things that I've learned the most is I was really stupid the 10 years that I've been, I would prospected before because I didn't do enough research. I didn't know enough about the company that I was calling and the person that I was calling and the problems that that company was trying to solve. And so now when I cold call you, especially if you're one of my top two customers, I know everything about your department, everything about your company, and I know all the other systems and processes that are working and that are not working. And so then when I call you, I say, hey, Tom, um, I hear you're a director of sales and uh, you're, you're leveraging Salesforce, but you have two instances of Salesforce. So you can't actually see your, your team's performance in one dash, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, great. So uh, you probably have a bunch of other problems like that too. We're helping Johnny and blah, blah, blah do that. Do you want to take some time? They're like, of course, because I nailed it right on the head, right? I'm looking at your LinkedIn when I'm on the phone with you. Mm-hmm. And I've already and I and I've done the research. And sometimes research is calling low level people, calling admins. I got a deal uh, because I was at a company and I tried to ship something, like for my own personal life. And they came and gave me, you know, the paper that had like like carbon paper. It, had, it was like yellow, pink, and whatever. Yeah. And and I was like, what is this for? They're like, write your address on that. I'm like, but you have my address in like a digital thing right here. They're like, no, no, write this. This is for the shipping. And I'm like, my brain, I'm like, this is what I do for a living. I automate manual processes. I'm like, this is, I go, this is going to mess up. I said that to them. They're like, no, you'll get your, you'll get your package. Sure enough, didn't get it. Uh, and sure enough, they bought QuickBase later. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. But, but, but you, but you, and then you like you actually have to do it. How do you balance uh, that with volume though? Like if you're in your early career and someone gives you that 40, 50, 80, 100 touches per day, how do you balance research with that? So you just do the research, like do it. Like 
Just not during the day. Not when you're supposed to be calling. So Sunday when you're watching football, you can do all your research, right? You you have a tablet open. Something, you're on a screen. I know you are. So also, this is what I do in the morning. Hey, Google, tell me about Verizon. Hey, Google, right? So I get my news that way. So I set alerts obviously in my email, but like Alexa and Google, like they just tell me everything. You can program it. So you're in the morning making your coffee and you get what you need um, a lot, actually. Um, but then like be 50 dials is honestly 50 is what you need. Uh, more is great. Less is not going to really cut it because mm-hmm. 50 means 40 some days. You know, you, 200 calls a week is probably the minimum to be successful. Early career, you're going to have to make more calls because you're going to fail more times than someone that's more seasoned. Mm-hmm. So that, and you, so maybe you want to make 200 calls over, over two days because you only got two people on the phone. Um, so that, but that's the other thing is you, you, you have to outsmart other salespeople too. You can't be traditionally, you are an entrepreneur, like use your brain. And so like, I, one of the reasons why I also got into sales was salespeople are the laziest and stupidest white collar professionals. (laughs) So they procrastinate. They're not the smart. Um, everyone signed, everyone that's a salesperson signed up for their college dorm registration late. Like, you know, like we're, and so you can outsmart. So everyone else is conditioned to treat salespeople a certain way. So if you act like a human and think like a human and help them solve their problem, it's way better than coming off as, as salesy. Like, so tell me, do, uh, give me one minute on, routine so like you're gonna sit down to prospect on a tuesday you roll into the office or right now you are going out your front door and around to the bulkhead (laughs) and into the basement and you're listening to your playlist what happens next like when you get in the seat yeah so what happens next so i we have we use outreach so we uh quickbase can be a crm so we use quickbase as a crm um and i use outreach to to call out of uh so i have i i label my days so i know what what day is so verizon is my customer um so monday is verizon day and so i have uh i have about 150 people in uh a four-step sequence and so i'll go i'll start at 7 30 in the morning and i'll go till i'll go till i get two meetings or i'll go till 10 Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do that every day, like no matter what. Um, sometimes I have nine o'clock meetings and it stops, but seven thirty to usually, usually I something happens, but I usually get to like thirty or forty dials, and my dials are targeted dials. So when I call you, I'm also an outreach email is already going to you, but I come over the top every time I call you, um, and so I might only call you three times in one month and then I call you 10 times in another. It just depends on where you end up in my cadence. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you open an email, if you open an email, I call you first, that would be my first action. And then I go into my sequence and just pick up where I left off. Um, and I, and then I immediately, 
I have a B, I, I have BDRs too. So my B, which is critical. So my BDR is on the same page as me. We have, I, I dictate the strategy, but we do equal parts. And that's again where they're, they're watching me do this. There isn't a thing that I asked them to do that I haven't shown them. And then we do together. Um, and so the best thing is about consistency is you get a meeting, get back on the phone. Like, get back on the phone. I stop at two because I, I can go do other things. But, and then in the afternoon, uh, if the day doesn't go well, if anything bad happens, which happens a lot, right? Then I get on the phone at 4.30. And I try, I try and make one good thing happen. I don't, now I don't need a meeting. I'm just trying to make sure that I was productive that day. So something will happen. Either I'll get a meeting or someone will pick up and I'll have a good conversation. But I, it's like leaving the gym with a, you know, hitting, hitting the basket before you leave practice. Um, and, and then random times, like if sometimes, like if I have a late call with like Australia or something like that, I'll just make 10 calls in Australia somewhere before I go to bed or something like that. Cause I'm already, I'm already up might as, might as well. But the consistency is, is a thing. That's the key. Um, do you have a couple minutes to hit discovery? Yeah. And maybe a couple of your favorite questions or maybe a, a framework that you think about when you are doing some discovery? Yeah. So you got to kind of figure out what kind of person they are. That's uh, I, I, why so I, I kind of like Zooms because I always show my face so you can, you can feel what kind of person they are. But asking someone about their the first question I always ask is, how much do you know about QuickBase? And hey, I talked to a lot of marketers or I talked to a lot of salespeople or VPs of whatever, but help me understand what your role and responsibility is. And right there, then they tell you. And based on, one, their tone and their, respo their response, you can tell a lot, right? But they'll tell you what they do. And with QuickBase, that's really important because it lets me know what systems are there, what processes are there. Um, and then I'm asking, I'm asking questions about problems that they're, that they're trying to solve. Um, and so if I don't know the problems, um, that's kind of, it's kind of shame on me, but I, I, then, then you resort to the, the old way of selling. Um, but my, my discovery is always, I'm just, I'm asking open-ended questions. I'm, listening to them and le legit asking questions based on the, what they are actually saying, not what I want to hear. So this lady right before this call said, Hey, uh, let's just get to it. How much does it cost? Cause I was, and she goes, cause I was thinking about, uh, budgeting and I go, Oh, okay. I go, what were you thinking? So now I don't have to ask, answer the budget question first. Now, am I not going to answer the question? Of course not. I'm going to answer the question. But now I get time to think. Trust your brain. Mm -hmm. And now I want to see what she's going to say. If she doesn't have a budget, then I'm not going to give her a budget. But if she's like, oh, yeah. And so what she ended up saying was, we have all these other tools that we would replace. So I have to figure out what that cost is. But we don't have as much money as another department that you sold to, mm -hmm. which is what she said. And so I said, oh, no problem. I go, pricing's on the website. <laughs> yeah. I go, and then I go, but enterprise pricing, which you guys have and what you will want, is custom, and we need to know a little bit more. But like, I, 
a former version of me says, oh, we're this amount of money and this amount of money. No, no, just chill. She didn't even ask, like, <laughs> right? And then time frame. Oh, if it's next November, then I'm not even going to talk to you about price. If she's like, But she was like, oh, we want to get into the 2020 budget, uh, 2020 this year. So I was like, all right, great. So now we, now we have a time frame, mm-hmm. um, without even talking about price. So I think that listening is, is super important in the discovery, open-ended questions, put it back on them though, right? Like this is real life. So if someone says a competitor, be like, oh, what did, we're evaluating this, this, and this. Great. What'd they say? Oh, well, we haven't talked to them yet. You're the first one. Cool. Can you let me know at, when you see their demo? Right? Like, and, or someone will be like, oh, we're bringing in like Microsoft Power Apps is, is a competitor of ours. And they'll be like, oh, we, IT says we have Power Apps. Great. I go, so did you ask them if you could use Power Apps for this? And they said, I don't know. Like, all right, well, go ask them. <laughs> I, I'm not yeah. going to wait till later. Right. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we, we, like where your competition is power ups like great bring them here to the next call we'll just do a bake-off let's do a good old-fashioned bake-off and no one like most of the time there's actually not competition it's just another reason why they're not buying they're just making that up yeah but and so like uh, i had a, a customer uh two weekends ago i worked the whole weekend because healthcare uh cyber attack it's in the news like uh, not this company but there's a lot of attacks on healthcare organizations. So their entire on-prem systems went down. And SAP is who the vendor is. And I'm in their meeting with their entire leadership team. And I was like, we're about to start the negotiation because they need a deal, an emergency rush deal. And I was like, there's a question. Where's SAP? We've been up all night. Us, you, everybody. Where's SAP? And the CFO goes, yeah, where is SAP? And the head of IT said, we don't spend enough money for them to come here. SAP has a cloud version of exactly what happened. They're, they could do what I just did. Yeah. But they don't even, right? And so now here's my price, right? Like, where are they? Why aren't your vendors here? Yeah. So like, but that question, like how many people ask that question? I don't know. But I, in my head, I kept asking. I was like, I'm either going to get this deal or I'm not. And if I don't get it, it's because SAP showed up. So where's SAP? <laughs> like, yeah, man. So, yeah, but the, the discovery, like being a human is a huge part of my job. And and just relate to people. If someone's having a bad day, like, hey, you don't sound so good. Like that will go a long way. Yeah. And, you're, and, you're, and don't rush it, right? Like we get into this transactional mindset. But like, think about the things that you buy in your own life. Like, how often do you accidentally just buy a car? Like, like you know, like if you're 16 and that's your thing, then your next goal, then yeah. Or, but like, it happens when an event happens. You either break down or you get paid or your car needs something. But mm-hmm. you, you, you know, and so, or buy a house, right? Or all these things take time. But we never, we're in our own lane and we don't like step outside to, to understand the whole ecosystem that we're playing in so just discovery never stops as well and if you if you see something say something like if yeah, you hear- that's, good. that's what i was just thinking you're you are uh like if you think about a question in your head and you get like a ping of 
it being maybe uncomfortable, like you got to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot of courage that, so that that's a, a salesperson's thing is courage has to be a, uh, a characteristic. Yeah. What, how do you want to wrap this up, man? I, I kept you for longer than I wanted to, but I feel like we could have gone forever. So maybe we could do a part two at some point, but what do you want to say to wrap this baby up? I, I just want I want to say it, it's uh, sales is a, is, is grand. It's, it's a, and it's a great, uh, it's a great way to get into technology. It's a great way to impact businesses and in, impact lots of outcomes in businesses. Um, and so I'd, I'd want more people to, to do it. And, and you got to put in the work. Like if you don't put in the work, that's where a lot of bad reps, bad habits. Um, if you put in the work and trust your brain, you'll, you'll make a lot of money. I love it, man. But thanks so much. I really appreciate taking an hour out of your day. And uh, that was really fun. Thank you. Yeah, let's do it again. All right. Thanks, Alan. Stay safe.